Today is Mothering Sunday and just uh, uh, almost a week ago we celebrated Women's International Day on the 8th of March. And in the light of that and also in the light of the fact that sadly on the Christian scene we have faced recently some incredibly high profile scandals with regards to incredibly abusive behaviour from renowned Christian leaders towards women in particular, I really wanted to encourage women today. And the best way I could do that is by actually wanting Jesus to step forward and to show us how he treated women as an encouragement for all the women in the congregation to know that Jesus is for you. So I'm going to pick up some episodes from Jesus's ministry just to show you how he treated women and how he responded to women and trusting that that will really encourage you. So we begin our journey in John chapter 8 in John's gospel and we're gonna camp mostly in John's gospel and John in, in chapter 8 describes an episode in Jesus's ministry that is extremely moving. Jesus went to the Mount of Olives and at dawn he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now, what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, Let any one of you who is without sin be the first one to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote in the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the oldest ones first, until Jesus was left alone with a woman still standing there. Jesus straightened her up and asked her, Woman, where are they, the ones who condemn you? They are not here, sir. No one is here, she said. Then neither do I condemn you. Jesus declared, Go now and live your life of sin or as other versions put it go and sin no more now this is an incredibly humiliating scene if you were a witness there it would have been so embarrassing and heartbroken it's a scandal brought into the public square and jesus is the center of attention because those who opposed this teaching, the religious people, the religious leaders of the time who opposed this teaching, were trying to trap him. So they bring this woman who was caught in the act of adultery and ask Jesus what should be done to her. And this would have been a difficult dilemma for Jesus because the law truly required that. Yet in front of him was a human being, sinful, but sinful just like me and you. It's staggering the bias through which these religious leaders bring this woman and the sense of injustice. I want to ask, well, where is the man? 
Surely he was part of the same sin. Why only bring the woman? I love the way that Jesus challenges those religious bullies. And he speaks to them and he almost puts a mirror at them and saying, if you are without sin, come on, you do it. You cast the first stone. So Jesus turns the table, tables uh, on them and really challenges them to look into their own hearts and realize their own sinfulness and the shameful and unjust sense of judging her. I love the way he's willing to risk his reputation for this woman who was truly sinful. But never forget, sinful just like me and you. He's willing to risk his reputation, but that's what Jesus is like. That's what grace looks like. Jesus is showing grace. And that's what he does to this woman caught in adultery. And that's what he does to every single one of us. This isn't just a message to encourage women. This is a message to encourage us all. That's my Jesus. It's a Jesus that takes, yes, sinful people, but he shows grace. He forgives her and then he calls her to live in the freedom that forgiveness brings. You see, Jesus never forgives so that we can go back and reoffend and sin and hurt other people. He actually forgives in order to set us free. And that freedom should bring a new life. And that's what Jesus does. That's how Jesus encourages women. Jesus shows grace. Maybe at times you, like me, would feel like this woman, ashamed of your own sin. And okay, we've not been exposed like she has been. But we could be incredibly fearful, thinking, what if I was to be exposed? What if I was to be rejected and condemned like she was? Jesus wants to encourage all of us this morning by saying he's the one that shows grace. He is the one who, because he paid the price through his own death on the cross later on, if you read in the Gospel of John, He's able to say, you are forgiven, you are free, your sin is taken away. And that's the incredible offer that Jesus has. And maybe this is applicable to you at this stage, at this moment in your life. Take heart, Jesus truly shows grace. I love the way that in another passage, if we continue the journey in the Gospel of John, Jesus Here's the news that his friend Lazarus has been sick and Jesus delays his arrival and by the time he comes, Lazarus is already dead. And he arrives in Bethany and there's a lot of sadness there. So when he comes, Martha heard that Jesus was coming, John 11 verse 20, and she went to meet him but Mary stayed at home. Lord. Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And Jesus says to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again at the resurrection of the last day. And then Jesus says to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they will die. Jesus had not yet entered the village 
but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet. Lord, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they said. Jesus wept. The shortest sentence in the New Testament. Two words, but so profound. And he tells all the women, and he tells all of us, Jesus weeps with a hurting. They were really loved friends of Jesus. And his delay seemed strange at best, careless at worst. And this would have been an incredibly emotional environment. This would have been a, a Jewish place of mourning with a family that had lost a loved one. You see, grief is a sign of love. The deeper the love, the greater the grief. And this environment was filled with that sense of grief. And tears become that physical sign of an emotional pain on the inside. And Jesus enters into the pain by physically demonstrating through his crying, through his weeping, through his tears, the compassion and the love that he has for those that hurt. Those tears often, when we cry with those who are hurting, they say, I see you and I feel for you and I am with you. It's one of the deepest physical ways of expressing empathy. You see, through this, I want you to know that God is not distant. I want you to know that God sees and hears and feels your pain. I want you to know that you're not alone and you're not unseen. Whatever your feelings may say to you, the truth is, this God embodied in Jesus that had the compassion to weep with Mary and Martha for the loss of their brother is the same Jesus that is willing to come alongside you. So can I say to you, come to him, talk to him, trust him, because he is the God who weeps with a hurting. Going back at the beginning of the Gospel of John, we're in John chapter 4. Jesus was going through Samaria. This was a no-go area for a Jewish person, but he still goes through and he came to a town, verse 5, John 4, verse 5, he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of the ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Would you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy some food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. And Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is asking you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. 
And then after this encounter, we jumped after she meets Jesus and has the incredible conversation with Jesus. She goes back into town and it says in verse 39, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in Jesus because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did, she said. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them and he stayed two days and because of his words, many more became believers. This is mind-blowing. This is Jesus going into an enemy territory and having a huge impact. How? Through an unlikely encounter with a woman. Why? Because Jesus uses outcasts. So in every possible way, Jesus breaks all the possible barriers that he could have had. He breaks a gender barrier, he breaks a race barrier, he breaks a religious barrier. By talking to this woman, he was a Samaritan woman. It was totally inappropriate. He was a man and he was Jewish. Yet he speaks to her. She also possibly, according to some commentators, had a lot of trouble in her life and Jesus hints at that. She had some broken marriages, she, she had some mess like we all do and yet Jesus speaks to her and again he makes himself vulnerable to potential criticism and misunderstanding because people from the outside could have looked and said can't believe this is a prophet, how can he be a prophet and he mixes with a woman with a slightly unhelpful reputation and on top of it all she's a Samaritan as well. But that's what Jesus does. He meets with the outcasts and then he empowers them and uses them to become the messengers of the good news that he came to bring. He makes himself vulnerable by addressing her and talking to her and even asking her to give, her some, give him some water. He speaks truth and love. So he speaks into some of the stuff in her life that probably wasn't quite right and that actually triggers her curiosity. But he doesn't do it to condemn and put her down and judge her and point the finger. But he invites her to drink of the living water of salvation, of what he has to offer. You see, his acceptance shown through grace brings her confidence to go and tell other people about this incredible Jesus that she's met. She becomes an evangelist. She passes on good news. It goes viral in that town of who Jesus is and what he did for her. And it's simply this, let me tell you about what he said to me. She was simply retelling her encounter with Jesus, which really is what our life should be all about. You may think to yourself, Jesus can't use me. I can't be used. You don't know my story. You don't know what I'm like. I want to tell you, if Jesus could have used this unlikely person, potentially an outcast in the eyes of a Jewish person, she was a woman, she was a Samaritan, and she had a slightly interesting life. If he can use her, he can use any one of us. You may have many reasons and excuses saying, Jesus can't do anything with me. I want to encourage you. Maybe men have made you feel inferior. Maybe men in her life made her feel inferior. Maybe men had made her feel inadequate. 
Maybe men didn't treat her right. And suddenly this man, the son of God, displaying the heart of God for women, comes and treats her with such grace and dignity, releasing that confidence to introduce Jesus to others as well. And this is what he can do in our lives. She is probably able to say, this girl can because she met Jesus. And that's what he wants to do in all of our lives. And suddenly, because of a secret, the center of the story changes. And instead of her being the story, Jesus becomes the center of attention. Really want to encourage you to be that kind of person that becomes available. And all you have to do is just to tell those around you how wonderful Jesus is. Maybe you've never discovered, maybe you've never had that encounter that a Samaritan woman was. Well, today, right now, is the perfect time to do that. And all you need to do is just to come clean, come before him and say, Jesus, I know that I am sinful. I know I am not right. I know there's a whole host of things that aren't right about me. But I'm coming to receive your forgiveness. And I'm coming to receive your freedom. What he did for her, he can do for you. We go right to the very end in John 19, and this is the final episode in showing how Jesus treats women. John 19, 25 onwards. Jesus is being crucified. And meanwhile, standing near the cross of Jesus were his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing beside her, that's John, and we're going to talk about John tonight in the Zoom. Can I encourage you to come? He said to his mother, Woman, here is your son. Then he said to his disciple, Here is your mother. And from that hour, the disciple, John, took Jesus' mother into his own home. Jesus cares so practically. I love that about him. It would have been so easy to forget about his mum. Listen, he would have had every justified excuse in the world to do so. He, he, he could have been able to say, excuse me, I'm saving the world right here. I haven't got time to look after mum. He could have been filled with a sense of agony in the midst of the crucifixion. He could have been excited because maybe he could have said, well, I fulfilled my divine mission. It's accomplished. Never mind about mom. But that's not the Jesus that I know. The Jesus that I know cares so practically for his mom. And he's so tender hearted. And Jesus always sees the one even when he is in the midst of suffering and he sees the needs that he has and he's thoughtful, considerate and therefore because he always puts others first is encouraging John to take responsibility and help him out, to be a substitute son for her, making sure she's not left alone, uncared for. You know, Jesus could have been there on the cross and said, like we often do, Mom, I'll pray for you. Which is an excuse to do nothing and to be passive and unengaged. He doesn't do that. He doesn't just pray for her. He provides for her through John 
and through the commission that he gives to him. Listen, this is a season which I feel loads of people feel like Mary. You feel disheartened, you feel discouraged, you despair about the future. There are fears and anxieties that are knocking at your door. I want to proclaim so strongly that Jesus is committing to care for you practically. Like he cared for Mary, he will do that for you. And that's for women, but not just for women. It's for anyone. He knows the fears and the worries that we have about the future. He even sees our practical daily needs. He sees you and he cares for you because that's what he did with Mary. Ladies, let me say it loud and clear, Jesus is for you. I've just presented you the evidence of how he treated women. That's the heart of God, bringing forgiveness, showing compassion, gifting and enabling women to serve, caring for them in a practical way. Anything you struggle with, let me tell you, he gets it. Come to him. Come to him for both salvation and daily strength. Come to solve that big, big problem of sin in your life that needs embracing Jesus. But also if you're a Christian and you've already engaged with that issue, daily strength comes from him. He's committed to you. You can trust him. He will not abuse you. He will not bail out on you. He won't use you. He won't demean you. He won't forget you. That's my Jesus. He loves women. He loves all of us. Men, can I speak to us as well? Be like Jesus. Now, I'm not calling you to be like Jesus by imitation. Because let me tell you, we can't do that. I can hear you thinking and I can hear you saying that. And I want to say, amen, we can't do that. We can't be Jesus. What we need to do is to surrender to Jesus and the Christ that lives in us can live through us. And the world and the women in our lives get to meet, whether it's mums or daughters or sisters or the women that we work with or the women that are part of our extended family or the women in the church, our neighbours, all of them would get to see this Jesus that I spoke about this morning in my life, in your life as a man, as I surrender to him and let him lead me. Be like Jesus. Show forgiveness. Show compassion. Cheer women on. Care for them. Surrender to Jesus. If you're not a Christian, you can't do that. You can't imitate. You can try to imitate Jesus, but it's not going to work. You need to surrender to Jesus and let Jesus come into your life. And you need to pray and, and, and let him take control over your life. And if you want to talk more about this, if you want to, for us to pray for Ian or myself to pray with you, you know, ping us an email, send us a WhatsApp, get in touch with us. We'd love to talk more about this. Because you can't imitate Jesus. Don't try to do that. It's never going to work. You'll end up being a failed religious person. But Jesus wants to come in your life and use you. And maybe if you've already done that, surrender afresh today for fresh strength to let Jesus work through you. Let's pray together. Jesus, I thank you that you're so beautiful 
and it's so encouraging and it's so exciting to be able to try to shine the light and, and almost put a spotlight on the beauty of who you are and how you treated women. And I pray for all the women in our lives. As I mentioned before, women in the church, women in our family, women in our workplaces, women in our communities. We pray that you will bless them richly. And you will help us to be a church that honors women, cares for women, enables women, releases women, supports women. But also we pray that in every single day of our life, we would surrender afresh to you to let you live through us. We can never be like you unless we let you live in us and through us. And that's our prayer. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done in our lives every day. Amen.